Welcome to this message from the teaching ministry of University Presbyterian Church in Orlando, Florida, under the leadership of Senior Pastor Mike Osborne. Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 through 30. Now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so in love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached, and because of this, I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me... To live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But, is, but it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that through my being with you again, your joy in Christ Jesus will overflow on account of me. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, contending as one man for the faith of the gospel without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved, and that by God. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for him, since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. The word of the Lord. We're continuing a series that uh, Pastor Mike started last week on the book of Philippians. He covered chapter 1, the first 11 verses. We're going to knock out uh, 12 through 30, as Eglin just read for us. So keep your Bibles open. We're just going to walk through it. Uh, this is an amazing passage, and I'm just really excited to talk about what we're going to talk about this morning, particularly because you see things in Paul that are just profoundly impressive. And uh, if you're like me, you like being impressed by people. Have you guys seen on uh, YouTube, there's a video called People Are Awesome. 
Have you seen this? It's amazing. You should Google it or YouTube it or whatever you want to do. It's okay. It's five minutes of people doing pretty much the most amazing things you can imagine, like these back flips on wheelchairs, things on skateboards and skis that I think should be illegal, um, all sorts of things that are just amazing. You uh, shooting a basketball from like the fourth, the roof of a four-story building all the way down and swishing it on a ground floor. We actually have one of our own. Um, Kyle Delk was on ESPN. Did you know that? He did this thing called that he calls blammo, where he would swing on a swing in his backyard, and then the third or fourth time he would reach down and scoop up a basketball and launch it and sink it right about uh, 25, 30 yards away. So that's impressive. But, you know, when you see impressive stuff like that, it's, uh, it does something to your heart. You kind of say, wow, you know, I, that's impressive. And sometimes you think you'd like to do it. Other times you don't want to do it, like Cirque du Soleil or stuff like that. But either way, when you see something impressive, there's something in your heart that says, I... Uh, I wish I could do that. Let me tell you what I think is the most impressive thing in the whole world. When I see somebody who is struggling, suffering deeply, but full of joy. That is impressive. That's the type of impressive that when I see that, when I see someone struggling deeply in a lot of pain mentally or physically or or anything, and yet they're full of joy, I am impressed. And I'm impressed in a way that makes me long for that. I want to be a person who faces trials with joy. Paul, probably the greatest example in the world. And that's why I'm excited to look at this today. Paul is a great example of a person who had a tremendous amount of joy, even though he was suffering. He was going through some really difficult times. He was in prison. Okay, and so we're going to look at that today to take a look at Paul so that we can see that we really can be like Paul in the way that we can be people who can go through really difficult times, hard trials, but be full of joy. That's a pretty big task. But the Word of God will do it. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we just want to bow before you one more time and ask that you would send us your Spirit, let your Spirit fall fresh on us right now, that we would see the majesty of our Lord Jesus in this text, that we would be raised up to and fired up to go out and make disciples, Lord, that you would use us to bring the gospel to our neighbors and to the nations. For the sake of Jesus, we pray. Amen. All right, let's do this. Let's start by uh, talking about uh, Paul in general and why, why was Paul so joyful even though he was in a really difficult situation. Okay, but to do that, you've got to understand something about Paul first. Uh, if you look at Paul in his writings and, and through the book of Acts, if there's one thing you know about Paul, it's that he is absolutely passionate about the advance of the gospel. Okay, he was absolutely passionate about more people in more places hearing the good news. That God sent His one and only Son to live a perfect life, to die a horrific sinner's death, and rise again from the dead, so that any of us who believe in Him will have eternal life. That gospel. Paul was probably in a healthy way obsessed with the gospel advancing. Okay, so you couple his obsession with the gospel advancing with his view of suffering which we see here and then it makes sense why he was filled with joy even though he was in suffering and if you want to understand that this is what this is what paul viewed suffering this is how he viewed suffering paul believed that god uses our trials uses our suffering and struggles to advance the gospel look at verse 12 he says i want you to know brothers that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel 
Notice he doesn't say, hey, brothers, uh, even though I'm in here, the gospel's still advancing. He doesn't say the gospel is advancing in spite of me being in here. He's saying, because I'm in here, more people in more places are hearing the gospel. And that gives him tremendous joy because he's passionate about the advance of the gospel. And then he gives us three reasons that I would be pretty upset. I think you would be pretty upset and uncomfortable. But he's rejoicing. Three things that should be causing him a lot of pain, should be taking his joy out, but they're actually giving him joy because they're advancing the gospel. Look at uh, verse 13. As a result, he says, uh, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. So here's the picture. Paul's not in the worst, most horrible dungeon you know he's ever been in. He, he went through a lot of stuff. Uh, but it, he was in a very difficult situation. He is chained all day every day, to a praetorian guard. These are Caesar's hand-picked special soldiers. These are the biggest, meanest, probably stinkiest guys. And Paul is chained to one of these dudes all the time. Okay, And the scholars believe that probably every four hours, a new guy would come in. So six guys throughout the 24 hours, every day, all day, Paul is chained to one of these guys that could just pound him into dust if he wanted. And that cannot be comfortable. That cannot be... How can you have joy when you're chained to somebody like that? This guy's You're chained to him when you're eating. You're chained to him when you're sleeping. You're chained to him when you're using the restroom, okay? It's true. That's, I mean, think about that. Obviously, you'd think Paul would be very uncomfortable, very frustrated, having a hard time being joyful, but he's praising God. You know why? Because these guys are hearing the gospel. I mean, I can just see it, right? Paul's chained up, and the, the one guy's leaving. They unclick the chain, and then the next guy comes in. They click in, and Paul's smiling. He's like, hi, I'm Paul. Let's talk, you know, and then he, he starts sharing the gospel with them and they're hearing the gospel. They're hearing the gospel directly from him. They're hearing the gospel from his conversations with other people. And some of them, most of the commentators believe, got saved. The last verse of uh, Philippians is pretty amazing. 4 verse 22, you don't have to flip there, I'll just read it. It says, all the saints send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. And we would assume that some of those people that were around Caesar learned the gospel through these soldiers who were learning the gospel and believing it. So Paul could be really upset, could have a hard time with joy, having joy in his life at this moment, but he's, he's bubbling up. It's exploding. Let's look at example number two, uh, verse 14. He says, because of my chains, look at that, because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. So here's the picture. Paul has raised up disciples in uh, the area of Philippi. And these guys, um, you know, were probably pretty timid beforehand, weren't really sharing the gospel. But now because of Paul being in prison, they feel like, okay, we got to do it. So now they go out and they're sharing the gospel. So instead of one Paul running around sharing the gospel, making disciples, there's a whole bunch of people that weren't doing it with the passion and the fearlessness they were before. See, you'd think Paul would be really upset. Paul's life was all about going to different cities, making disciples, raising up leaders, planting churches, and then moving on to do it in other places. And then you write them letters, you know, like Galatians, Ephesians, Colossians, stuff like that. That's what Paul would do. So you'd think he'd be really upset because his career is basically on hold. But he's praising God because he's in prison. All these other guys are out sharing the gospel. So maybe even more people are hearing the gospel because he's chained up. And so he rejoices because he's obsessed with the advance of the gospel. So uh, number uh, three, look at 15 through 18. Paul says, it is true that some preach Christ out of 
Envy and rivalry, he talks about how some people are doing it for the right reasons because they know he's there for the defense of the gospel, but others are doing it for selfish ambition, rivalry, envy. Not sure exactly what's going on there, but what we know is Paul uh, could be extremely upset. He could be very frustrated because these brothers of his that are preaching Christ, they're not preaching heresy. He doesn't go after them like he does in the book of Galatians. He says they are preaching Christ, but they're doing it in a way that's causing his, him trouble. They had some sort of envy of him. Uh, who knows what it was? But either way, he could be really upset because his brothers in Christ, these guys who are supposed to be praying for him and, 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 uh, and loving on him and, and caring about him are out sort of trying to make him look bad. He could be really upset. But you know what he says? Let me paraphrase. Who cares? Look at verse 18. He says, but what does it matter? The important thing is that every, in every way, uh, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, look at this, in prison, I Rejoice. Paul was rejoicing in a very difficult situation because he realizes that even though he's in this tough situation, God is using this situation to advance the gospel. That's part of Paul's theology of suffering. He believed God uses our suffering to advance the gospel. And since he's obsessed with the gospel, getting to more people in more places, he's thinking it's worth it. And it gives him great joy. Want a modern day example of this? Do you know who Johnny Erickson Tata is? I mean, for those of you that know who she is, I mean, um, she is the most impressive person alive, I think, probably. Here, Johnny Erickson Tata, if you don't know who she is, please look her up, read her stuff, learn about her. She's amazing. Uh, when she was young, she was a, a young, attractive, uh, athletic, beautiful girl, uh, went swimming in a lake with some of her friends, having fun, dove off of the raft in the lake. It was too shallow. She broke her neck. And a few days later, as the doctors are treating her, she's told that she will be paralyzed from her neck down for the rest of her life. She had not been a Christian very long, so you can imagine. She's thinking, what are you doing? I put my faith in you, and this is what happens. And so she's struggling. She's devastated. I mean, all of us, that type of news, of course, you're going to be absolutely devastated. A friend came to uh, minister to her, to kind of comfort her, read her some scripture. Uh, She talks about this in one of her books. And the friend read from John chapter 5. If you know John 5, you know that in that uh, chapter, there's the story of the pool of Bethsaida. And there was a man, a paralyzed man, who had been paralyzed for a few decades. And Jesus came and healed him. So after this friend left, Johnny recounts how she laid there weeping and weeping, uh, just crying out to God, saying, God, heal me like the man at the pool of Bethsaida. Don't leave me like this. I can't live like this. She says, I can't live three days like this, much less three decades. Lord, please don't leave me like this. Heal me. And then 30 years later, she is on a trip to Israel with her husband, And they get to the pool of Bethsaida. And the tears just start coming. They start rolling down her face. She can't help it. And she remembers it. And she says, I started to weep because I remembered my prayer. I remembered the prayer that I had prayed that God would heal me. And she says, his answer, he answered my prayer. His answer was no. And she says, and I quote, and I'm glad. 
She talks about she's glad because it has enabled her to have this incredible faith in Christ, really seeing that she can seek all and all in Him, that she can get everything she needs from Him. Her suffering is, is, it doesn't matter because she's getting everything she needs from her Savior Jesus Christ. Not only that, though, she rejoices in the fact she, God has used her to start a ministry called Johnny and Friends, and they minister to people with disabilities all over the world. And she knows that if she wasn't suffering in the way that she is, there's hundreds, maybe thousands of people Maybe tens of thousands. I don't know what the number is, but so many people in the world with disabilities have heard of this amazing King, this Savior, Jesus Christ, and put their faith in Him because of her suffering. So she says, I'm glad. She too, uh, like Paul, pretty obsessed with the advance of the gospel. So the next question that we need to ask ourselves is how passionate are we? Are we passionate about the advance of the gospel? And as we get more and more passionate about the advance of the gospel, and then we see theologically that God uses our trials and our struggles to get the gospel to more people in more places, then we will have joy even when things are difficult. If we, uh, like Paul, like Johnny, are really passionate about the advance of the gospel. So how, how, how do we do that? How do we become really passionate about the advance of the gospel? Why did Paul find so much joy in the advance of the gospel? So much so that he was welling up with joy even in a difficult situation. Well, he tells us, he makes it crystal clear. Look at 20 and 21. This is what he says, basically. Paul's entire life was about Jesus. Everything. Jesus was not uh, a God that he sort of prayed to every once in a while in times of need. Jesus was everything to him. Jesus was not some intellectual idea of salvation or something. No, Jesus was everything to him. His entire life revolved around Jesus. And then knowing that Jesus came to save his people and to send his people out to the nations with the good news. Of course, he's going to be passionate about what Jesus is passionate about. But look at this. Here's how he words it. Verse 20 and 21. He says, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. And here it is. For to me, to live is Christ. And to die is gain. He's saying, look, If I live, my whole life is about Jesus. If I die, I get to be with Jesus even better. And he even has this little crisis. He's like, I kind of want to die. You know, he's like, it'd be better if I would die because then I could be looking at Jesus face to face. That would be the ultimate. But he says there's some reasons. There's uh, reasons that God, he thinks God's going to keep him alive and keep him working. But see, that's the thing. Paul's whole life revolved around Jesus. And what that means when he says, for to me, To live is Christ. What he's saying is, I seek all my life from Christ. I seek my joy in Christ. I seek my satisfaction in Christ. Christ is the one who gives me life, who gives me everything that I need. He has made Jesus everything to him. And it is it affects him in ways that are beyond comprehension. I mean, think about this for a second, okay? Think about if something else was the ultimate in, in Paul's life. What if instead of saying, for to me to live is Christ, he said something else. 
What if his real true heart motivation was for to me to live is having a good reputation? What if he was, that was what he really, really wanted. He really, really, what he really wanted in life was for people to think of him well and think he was great. Okay, if that was the true thing that he was drawing life from and getting significance from, then when it's taken away because these knuckleheads are out there preaching the gospel, but they're doing it in ways that are causing him trouble, causing him trouble, maybe making him look bad, he's not going to be able to have joy. His joy is gone because if his source of joy is in a good reputation, that reputation's falling apart. So, so is he. But that's not the case. He sought his joy in Christ and therefore he didn't lose his joy. Uh, what if it was something else? What if for to me... Uh, to live is comfort. Okay, a lot of us just got busted right here because a lot of us really, really love comfort. Okay, admit it. We like to be comfortable. We don't like stepping out of our comfort zone. We hate that phrase. Okay? And uh, we don't even want to... It's hard. We don't like doing things that make us uncomfortable. What if that was Paul's main thing in life? What if for Paul to live is comfort and he's chained up all day, every day, can't leave a house, can't do what he wants to do? You think he's comfortable? No. But he's full of joy because... Comfort's not the most important thing in, in his life. So he's not going to be tied down by not being comfortable. He's, he's free. He is, he, Jesus is the most important thing to him, and he's got Jesus. And so co- being uncomfortable doesn't shake him up too bad. He still has joy. What if it was freedom? A lot of us like to be free. We don't like being told what to do. We don't like any constraints. We want to just do whatever. You know what I'm saying? What if that was Paul's main thing in life? He'd be devastated. Be devastated. He's the, the farthest thing from free in that situation. He's chained up. He has no freedom there. He couldn't have had joy. But we know that freedom's not the most important thing to him because he's still overflowing with joy. What if it was um, control? See Matt Ryman. This is me. I, I'm obsessed with control. I like when I'm in control. I don't like when I'm out of control. And so when I'm out of control, I freak out. Because I tend to draw joy and draw satisfaction and draw life from being in control. And when I'm out of control, I feel like I have no life and I have no joy. You with me on that one? The controllers, where are you? Don't raise your hands. We know who you are. Okay, here's the thing. One last one, okay? What if it's your career? What if it's Paul's career? What if Paul says being a church planter, going out and doing evangelism and planting churches is the most important thing to me? And now he's locked up. Think he has joy? No. But look at some of us are sacrificing our families, sacrificing our friends. We're sacrificing sacrificing our health. We don't care what we get rid of as long as we get the career. If that was Paul, devastated. Joylessness to the max. Because he couldn't do what he normally did. He was locked up. But Paul's life was not his job, it wasn't his reputation, it wasn't being in control. For to me, Paul says, to live is Christ. That means he was seeking everything from Christ and receiving everything he needed from Christ. That means he was looking for his joy in Christ, his satisfaction in Christ, his comfort in Christ, everything he needs in Christ. And he's having joy even in hard times. And here's what's so beautiful. Brilliant, powerful, life-changing. Think about this. Paul seeks all his life. He draws all his life and all his joy from Christ, right? Look back at verse 13. Paul says, as a result, 
it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. I'll let you in on something. Uh, If you look this up in the original language, in the Greek, the words that are translated for Christ can equally, if not better, be translated to Christ. Think about this. Look again. This is what he's saying here. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and everyone else that I am in chains to Christ. You see what it means? Paul is chained to his source of life and joy. He can't get away from his source of life and joy. His source of life and joy cannot get away from him. They are chained to each other. In the same way Paul cannot get away from this guard whom he is chained to, he cannot get away from Jesus Christ in whom he finds all his joy, all his peace, all his love, all his everything. He's chained to the one who gives him everything he needs. And so, of course, he's joyful in any situation. He's joyful because he he can lose anything and he still has Jesus. Not only that, he knows he cannot lose Jesus. Amen? And so what Paul is seeing here is like when he sees Jesus on the cross, when he thinks of Jesus on the cross, he's not only thinking of Jesus taking away our sins, but also chaining himself to us. So that for the rest of eternity, whether we live or whether we die, whether our life is easy or profoundly difficult, for to us to live as Christ, we are chained to our source of life and our source of joy. And therefore, nothing, nothing can stop the joy from overflowing. And of course, it makes sense. Why is Paul obsessed with the advance of the gospel? Because once you feel that, You want other people to feel that. He wants other people to feel the chains of being permanently attached to the ultimate source of life and joy. Look at 25 and 26. He says, convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue uh, with all of you for your progress and, what's the word? Joy in the faith, so that through my being with you again, your what? Joy in Christ will overflow on account of me. Paul is passionate about the gospel advancing, passionate about people in more places, more people hearing the gospel because what it's done in his life, it has set him free. He's not a prisoner of Rome. He's a prisoner of Christ. And he knows that he's absolutely free. Nothing can ever take him away from his source of life, from his source of joy. And his source of life and his source of joy has proved to him that he would never leave on the cross. And therefore, Paul is full of joy. And you and I can be full of joy as we put everything in. As we, as Mike said a couple weeks ago, go all in for Christ. Seek everything we need in and through Jesus Christ. And believe that he is enough. Then our lives are transformed. It doesn't matter what we gain or what we lose. Because we have attached to us permanently. The source of our life and the source of our joy. So what is it? What is it that has been creeping in and becoming more important to you than Jesus? What are you trying to chain yourself to? Whatever it is. Career, money, sex, whatever. Put the faith in Jesus, come back to Jesus, be repentant, put everything in Jesus' basket, all your eggs, in Jesus' basket, trust in Him and realize you are now, you will be chained to the One who can give you unbelievable life, unbelievable joy forever and evermore.
And as we do this, as you continue to love Jesus more deeply, to love Jesus with more strength and courage, and as this happens, what happens is you begin to feel those shackles squeezing tighter and tighter around your wrist, and you begin to say more and more, I am free. I am free. I wonder if uh, this was what Robert Robinson was thinking when he wrote in 1758, Come thou fount of every blessing. O to grace, how great a debtor, daily I'm constrained to be. Let thy goodness, like a fetter, bind, chain my wandering heart to thee. Let's pray. Gracious Father in heaven, we are we are in awe of you that you would send your son to us, that he would chain himself to us on the cross. Lord, that he would you just reveal to us, help us to believe deeply that Jesus is all we need. And, and as we pursue him with our whole lives, let that give us an obsession with more people in more places hearing the gospel. And let us know that if we are having hard times, You'll use it so that more people in more places can hear the gospel. Lord, what an amazing gift. We pray that you would just nail that into our hearts. Help us to believe it every day. We pray in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. We at University Presbyterian Church thank you for listening to this message. Our mission is to help people know God, grow together, and serve others. To learn more about the church or how to have a vital relationship with God, visit our website at www.upc-orlando.com or call our offices at 407-384-3300.